For we know that our old self has been crucified with him, in order that the body of sin may be destroyed, that we may no longer be slaves to sin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We all have had the same experience. We all have known what is good, is that what we must do, and have not done it. And we all know the evil which we must avoid, and have not done it. And have done it, excuse me. For the ancient philosopher Aristotle, this problem was perplexing. If we know what is truly good, should we not always desire it? If we understand that something is in itself bad for us, should we not detest it? As he was deprived of the divine revelation, Aristotle could not see that this tumult within us is the result of a primitive rebellion against God the Creator, that is, from original sin. Now by the original sin, when Adam ate the forbidden fruit and transgressed the only divine commandment, he lost for himself and all his descendants divine grace and the friendship with God, his Creator, that would permit him to enter into heaven. Adam lost also four gifts, which we call preternatural gifts, which likewise would have been the inheritance of his children. These four gifts were immortality, impassibility, infused knowledge, and moral rectitude. By Adam's fall, these gifts were exchanged for death, suffering, ignorance, and concupiscence. By Christ's passion and death, and by holy baptism, we are delivered from original sin. We are restored to divine grace and become inheritors <clears throat> of the kingdom of heaven. However, the preternatural gifts remain lost forever. We still die, suffer, have to learn the hard way, and undergo temptation through our concupiscence. Now this last one, concupiscence, is defined as a desire of the lower appetite or inclination, inclinations contrary to reason. In other words, it's not in our mind and in our will necessarily these things, but it's in our passions, our emotions, it's in our imagination, our memory, how do I say, and are basically in our lower self the same things that we have in common with the animals. That is what it means by that definition of saying desire of the lower appetite. Now the sacred council of Trent, ever a beacon of light even in our dark times, states that concupiscence remains after baptism so as to give to the individual Christian the possibility to merit, saying, the Holy Council professes and believes that concupiscence, or the inclination to sin, remains in the baptized. Since it is left for us to wrestle with, it cannot harm those who do not consent, but manfully resist it by the grace of Jesus Christ. Rather, one who strives lawfully will be crowned. That means that all of us have some disposition towards sin in general, and that each of us has an inclination towards a particular vice. Some of us are prone to laziness or anger, others to lust or greed, 
or, or envy, etc. The inclination itself does not constitute a sin. For example, if someone has an inclination to drink too much, he is not in sin unless he actually drank to excess. Therefore, one could have a gazillion inclinations towards sin and still be in the state of grace, still on the way to heaven. Because we don't sin by suffering temptation, but we sin by consenting to the temptation. One loses grace only by committing a mortal sin. And so, my dear faithful, even if you are burdened with many evil tendencies, you need not despair. Now God permits concupiscence to remain in us so that we may have something to fight against, to overcome, so as to be crowned with glory. He is most reasonable, and therefore he does not give prizes for doing nothing. In our strife against our inclinations to evil, we, will, we have much hope, for Christ has won for us an abundance of grace, of divine help to strengthen us in these battles. He is always faithful to his promises, and this gives us great confidence. He who performed a miracle so as to feed the crowds in the desert, lest they faint by the way, will surely provide our spiritual needs, lest we fall into sin. And so we must go to him who said, All you who labor and are heavy burdened, come to me, and I will refresh you. And in other words, by the grace of God, we can have confidence in our Lord to come to our assistance in our battles against our wicked inclinations. But of course, we, can't, we don't put that confidence in ourselves without that grace, because without that grace, we would not be able to resist those temptations, we would easily fall into every sort of sin and vice and depravity. And so we place our confidence not in ourselves and our own efforts alone, but in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now this truth that we must, we have a concupiscence and it's there that we strive against it so we, that we might be crowned with glory by God for our battles in our efforts to be faithful to Him. This truth goes contrary to the world's mantra, you are just fine the way you are, and even saying God made you that way, which would not have us fight and overcome our concupiscences, but instead to indulge them. And if the vice is against the sixth commandment, the world clamors that it be approved, and if contrary to nature, even celebrated. This is nothing more than despair, and cynical pessimism. It is blasphemy to ascribe to God that which is evil. It is blasphemous to say then that God made us this way, that is, suffering all these concupiscences, because concupiscence is not the effect of God's creation of mankind, for he created all things good, but rather the consequence of man's rebellion against God. In other words, God did not make us this way, we made us this way. And God permits this concupiscence as the product of original sin, and as early, earlier stated, to allow us a means to merit. Now the prince of this world, the devil of course, 
wants us to be brainwashed by this mantra of the world, that we are just fine the way we are, that we have no need to strive against our wicked inclinations or to work to become better. And he, of course, brainwashes us with this mantra so that he may have pleasure in torturing us forever in hell. Because if we do not fight against our concupiscences, whatever nature they may be, well, we will end up damned. We will lose the salvation of our souls and lose heaven and be condemned to hell. And so we can see that this world's mantra opposes very much, one would see extremely so, the virtue of charity that we must have towards ourselves and our neighbor. First of all, because any sin somehow affects someone else. And second, if one does not strive against his concupiscence, his eternal salvation will be lost. We must not then give heed to the bleak promotion of misery. Live with bad tendencies we must, but give way to them we must not. Christ has risen from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we also may walk in newness of life. Let us then continue manfully in our strife and encourage others who think there is no hope for them, that there is hope if they turn to our Lord, if they pray for His grace, if they receive the sacraments frequently and worthily, they will have that power, that spiritual power coming from that grace and the sacrifice of our Lord on the cross to be able to resist those temptations, to overcome vice, and to grow in virtue and holiness. So, my dear faithful, let us not approve of vice, but admonish the sinner, and of course also admonish ourselves in this regard. And keep in mind the words of this words of sacred scripture, which we read in the Book of Wisdom, that will help us and encourage us to strive against our concupiscences, to fight the good fight. The souls of the just are in the hand of God, says the Book of Wisdom, and the torment of death shall not touch them. And though in the sight of men they suffer torments, their hope is full of immortality. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.